You're listening to the College Age Movement Podcast. Hello guys, hope that you are doing fantastic this week. We are in part three of our series, One Another. Over the last several weeks, we've been looking at these different phrases found throughout Scripture uh, that simply use the words one another. We talked about finding harmony with one another week one. Last week, we talked about uh, restoring one another with gentleness, and we talked about building one another up. And this week, we are going to be in the book of First Thessalonians. Uh, if you have not read the book of First Thessalonians, it's a very short book. It's only five chapters long. It's a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in a region called Thessalonica. And he is writing this letter to a church that is fairly new. Uh, if you look at scripture, uh, if you look at theology, um, it would it would probably land somewhere between three weeks and three months that Paul was with this church in Thessalonica. And then he handed it off to the church leaders and said, hey, you're going to be great. Um, I'm going to go plant some more churches. And so um, while they did some incredible things and there's a ton of encouragements found in these five chapters, there's obviously some questions that they have that Paul is having to address, and he is not only encouraging them, but also challenging them in a couple different ways. So at the end of this letter, at the end of 1 Thessalonians, what's happening is Paul is addressing the, the day of the Lord. The chapters 4 and 5, he's talking about some end times things. And what's really interesting is that we don't have the letters that Thessalonica wrote to Paul, but we have Paul's response. And so we can kind of gather uh, what the questions that they might have been asking were, and it had something to do with when the Lord was going to come back. And so even though this is 2,000 years ago, when I say that things are very similar today as they were 2,000 years ago, they definitely were. They were probably dealing with a lot of the same things within their church body, and they're also asking a lot of the same questions that you and I are asking today. But this is what Paul says uh, at the end of chapter 4 and the beginning of chapter 5. He says, well, I don't, we don't know. We don't know when the Lord is going to come back. We don't know the day or the time. But in the meantime, here's some challenges of what you can do and who you can be as a follower of Christ. So we're going to pick up 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 8 through 10. And it says this, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate. And the hope of salvation is a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that we, whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. So the first point this week is protect your you protect your heart with faith and love. The church in Thessalonica was dealing with so many of the things that we are today. Opinions, anger, all those kinds of things ruled the day. And Paul is telling them to, to protect their hearts. Don't let your hearts get hard. And he says, these are the two ways that you can do that. You can do it with faith, having faith that transformation is coming. Would we be people today that have faith that transformation is coming, that it's coming in our world, that it's going to come to us and it's going to come to the people around us? I think it can be really easy for us to find ourselves in a place where like, is that ever actually going to happen? But if we have faith that Jesus is who he said he is, then we can believe that transformation is on the way. And we don't know how long it's going to be before our own lives are transformed. We don't know how long it's going to be for the lives of the people around us or our world to be transformed. But we do know is that Jesus is going to make some incredible things happen. So have faith. Don't let your heart get hard towards people. Don't let your heart get hard towards your culture. Don't let your your heart get hard towards anything because Jesus is on the way. He's going to do some incredible transformation. So we do, we protect our heart with faith and then we protect our heart with love. True love will create in us a well to draw from. Jesus allows us to have a really deep well. 
Even when people in the world around us are difficult, we get to draw from a place of love because Jesus first loved us. So one of the ways that we keep our hearts soft, the way that we look at people is we say, Jesus, you loved me like this. And I'm going to draw from that well so that I can love the people around me like that as well. The next thing that Paul says is protect your mind with salvation. Protect your mind with salvation. This concept is something that we desperately need to grasp in a world that is reactionary and fear-filled. Would we be people who use eternal confidence as the posture in which we live our lives? See, I think that this is the really scary thing is that, that when we let fear dictate our actions, the result is often inaction. That, that when fear is the driving force in our lives, it often causes us to be paralyzed, to be still. And then we don't do the things that we're called to do at all because fear is the driving force. But when we let our confidence in Christ dictate our actions, we will find flourishing. We will find rest. When we have an eternal confidence in who Jesus is, we can say, yeah, it's like things might be a little bit scary right now and things might be divisive right now. And, and I might have these different opinions and there's all these things that my humanity is pushing me towards. But if I have an eternal confidence in Jesus and that's the posture which I live, the lens at which I look at everything and say, well, yeah, but no matter what, what I know is eternity in heaven with Jesus. What I know is that that's my goal is to get people alongside me in eternity in heaven with Jesus. Then I'm going to, I'm going to live a life that is spurred by my eternal confidence that is not spurred by fear. You see, we have to ask ourselves the question, do we want to be people who focus on what if or what is? Because what is, is an eternal invitation from Christ to walk confidently in him. The what ifs drive us crazy. Well, what if this doesn't work out? What if that doesn't happen? What if, what if this isn't what God had for me? What if, yeah, what if, but what is today is an open invitation from Jesus. And what is going to be tomorrow is an open invitation from Jesus to walk our lives out in confidence because of him. First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter 5 uh, goes on to say this in verse 11. It says, Therefore, encourage one another. There it is. Encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. So the point, as you can probably guess, is encourage one another. Too often we find ourselves living in a world of discouragement. If we watch the news for five minutes, if we spend five minutes on social media, we can very easily become discouraged for a million different reasons. And I think it's wildly important that we become a community of people that encourage one another and become an encouragement, not just inside the body of Christ, but to the world around us, that people would look at our community, that they would look at us on an individual level and they'd say, wow, like I, I can never argue with the fact that they are always an encouragement to my life. I leave conversations with them built up. I, I leave conversations with them encouraged. You see, building each other up has to come from a place of intentionality, though, because we are inherently selfish. We have to be willing to go out of our way to encourage people. And I think that it takes on a lot of practical elements that that you could say, well, I'm not like naturally an encourager. Well, yes, you, you might not naturally be an encouragement or encourager because none of us really are because like we already said, we're naturally selfish. But there are these simple ways that we can encourage people. It might be a text. It might be a, a handwritten card. It might be a, a direct message. It might be an invitation to coffee. It might be a, a hey, genuine, hey, how are you doing when you see somebody in person? And in those things, we get the opportunity to encourage people. I think that we need to be people who point out what we admire about people instead of telling someone else, man, I love this about that person. We would tell the person that we're talking about to their face, hey, I just really admire this about you. They would be encouraged. Believe me, 
even if you don't take compliments really well, if somebody came up to you and I said, I, hey, you just love people really, really well, and I just really admire that about you, I think that you probably leave encouraged. I think that as a collective unit and as individuals, we need to learn how to celebrate people's success, not become jealous over their success, but celebrate people's success and champion people as they are moving towards the goals that God has called them to. And when someone pops into our head, would we be people who actually reach out? A couple years ago, about a year and a half ago, I was just kind of going through it. Uh, it was actually before our junior high pastor, Mikey, uh, stepped onto our staff. So at the time, what was happening is that our high school pastor, Shane, and I were kind of overseeing the three uh, next-gen ministries here at the church. It was a lot, and there was just a lot of students who, who needed uh, advice. There was a lot of students who needed time and effort, and all the while I was trying to be a good husband and a good dad and, and all of the things that come along with my personal life. And I just remember sitting in my office, um, and I was just really discouraged. I was just finding myself in a place where I'm like, man, I don't know if I'm cut out for this. Uh, I feel like I'm failing people. I feel like I'm giving people like slivers of myself and that I can't be just like fully invested in people's lives. And I was just, it was just this like probably two week period where I just, I was just really feeling down. And there was a guy uh, who I used to work here with here at the church and he, he moved to a different uh, uh, area of employment and uh, kind of working in the secular field and doing incredible things there. But we shared an office while I was an intern and he had at the time was a junior high son. He has a high school son now, but he, he stepped into my office and he didn't know where I was at. But he just stepped in my office and he sat down in the chair across from me and he said, hey, I just want to say thank you. Like, you're doing a great job. Um, I just want you to know, like, the impact that you've had on my son's life and, and some of the conversations that we've had have spurred from some of the things that you have done. And he left and I just broke down because I was like, Lord, what timing did you have there that you, you were to you encourage me through this friend. You encourage me through this person that I respect a lot and somebody who I admire a lot, and his willingness to take three minutes and do that um, changed my tra trajectory of the season and got me through the valley and into to a good spot, and, and now here we are today. So what I would say to you is this, is find uh, genuine strategic ways to encourage people that in a world that is more connected than ever, let us not be a part of the disconnection. Let us be people who are constantly, constantly letting people know that they are never, ever alone and that we love them so much and that we admire things about them, and that we are for them and with them. Chapter 5 goes on to say this in verses 12 and 13. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. And it ends with this, live in peace with each other. That's the next point, live in peace with one another. And we're not going to camp here because we talked about it during week one of this series, but I think that um, if it was important enough to repeat time and time again 2,000 years ago, it's probably still relevant to us today. And I wasn't actually even going to bring this up this week, but I just felt like the Lord was um, encouraging me to, to simply say a, a couple things to people. In, in, um, last night at College Age, uh, had some conversations that people felt like it was for them, and, and maybe, it may, maybe for you too, is this, is that... Um, there, there's something happening in some of our lives where there's conflict that we are trying to avoid at all costs and we need to embrace the conflict. And we need to embrace the conflict so that we can kill the conflict. And so that person that you've been avoiding talking to, uh, I just want to challenge you and encourage you, like go talk to that person, kill the conflict because it's hard to love people like Jesus if you were in conflict with those people. And so if our calling is to love people like Jesus loves people, let's do whatever we can to kill the conflict. Embrace the conflict so that you can kill the conflict so that you can live in peace with one another.
Verse 14, it goes on to say this. It says, and we, are, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. I call this verse the list of things that Evan sucks at. Um, I want to walk through these just kind of rapid fire here, and, and maybe you find yourself in a similar place to me of being challenged and um, convicted to be better in some of these areas. The first one would be this, a call against idleness and disruptiveness. Time and time again, Scripture is clear that laziness is unacceptable, both in our lives and in our faith, and we need to fight the desire to be stagnant. We need to fight the desire to be lazy, to be idle. Help others, Helping others become... Um, unstuck is a part of the calling too that if we see people in our lives that are stagnant that we would do whatever we can to make sure that they get out of that stagnancy we don't have uh, a ton of time to dive into this but as we talk about idleness and we talk about laziness and we talk about stagnancy I think it's really important for some of us to hear the fact that there is a difference between being active and being effective sometimes we think that being busy uh, equals building, that we are building something incredible because we are busy and that we are being effective because we are simply active. But I think that we need to be strategic in the way that we are using our time. I think that we need to be people who don't see busyness as the goal, but be, but we see effectiveness as being the goal. And that's effectiveness in our own personal walk with Jesus, effectiveness in our relationships around us, and effect, effectiveness in every arena of our lives. That we would be people who are not idle, but we aren't just busy in the, in the pursuit of, of not being idle, but we are actually being effective. The second call is in a call to encourage the disheartened. And we already talked about encouraging one another, but let's be people who truly look for those who are going through it, that we would step into the mess. I think what's really difficult for so many of us is that we ask people how they are doing with the hope that they just say, I'm doing great. How are you? And that we move on to the next conversation. But when people actually say, actually, here's what's going on in my life, that we wouldn't be afraid of that, but we would step into that mess and we would say how can i help how can i encourage how can i take part in your life and how can i be of assistance to you because we are desperately in need of other people to be assistance to be of assistance to us at several times throughout our lives as well the next call is a call to help the weak i think that we just need to be people who are um faithful to the calling that god has placed on our life to help the orphan and the widow and the disenfranchised the least of these god jesus talks about it all the time and that's stepping into the mess again, that people who we might not be able to relate with, people who are in a, in a different circumstance, they might be in a, a just a, a whole different stratosphere um, as far as um, what they're going through compared to what we're going through. And we need to be people who aren't afraid of that, but step into that because Jesus is always asking us to go and serve the people around us. And the last thing is a call to be patient, a call to be patient with everyone. Uh, that we would appreciate the process in the lives of the people around us, that we would understand that we aren't expecting perfection because Jesus doesn't expect perfection out of us. And along those lines, as we are talking about having patience with everyone, that means with yourself too, that you would understand that you are a person in process. And it's not an excuse to, to do things the wrong way, but it is an encouragement to understand that you are in process, I am in process, we are all in process, and we need to have patience with everybody around us, but we also need to have patience with ourselves. Chapter 5 goes on to say this in verses 15 through 18. It says, Make sure that nobody pay pays wrong for wrong, but always strives to do what is good for each other. Always strives to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The next point this week is this, striving to do what is best for each other. 
these two verses kind of sum up what this entire series is all about. This being a community of people who are selfless, not selfish, and not just doing things for each other, but doing them joyfully and doing them worshipfully and doing them continuously. I think that if we can get to a place where we can confidently believe that we are not alone, that is an absolutely massive win. What is equally important, though, is playing a part in making sure that those around us can confidently believe the same thing, that we are striving to do what is best for each other. And one of the best things that we can do for one another is to make sure to communicate at all turns of life that nobody is ever alone. So all of these things that we've talked about, are big and all of these things that we've talked about are important and they're challenging and they are sometimes heavy. I think that we can spend a lot of time talking about and thinking about the calls on our lives, which is good. It's, it's really, really good, but it's important that we understand the part that we get to play in the movement of God and the lives of the people around us can sometimes feel daunting. Paul was not naive to that. So as he writes this letter, this short letter to the church in Thessalonica, Paul is aware of the fact that he's challenging and encouraging and convicting and all of those different things and that it could feel really heavy. And so he ends uh, his letter uh, with several verses, but two of those verses are this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 through 24. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful. The one who convicts you is faithful. The, the one who is encouraging you, that, that God, he is faithful and he will do it. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Yes, we are here for one another and we're talking about all the different ways that we can be there for one another throughout this series. But there is something that is even more important than that and that is that he is with you. He is with you. All the challenges, all the relationships, all the trials, all the victories, all the failures, he is with you. As we focus on all the things that we can be for one another, let us never, ever forget that he is like no other. Thank you for listening to the College Age Movement podcast. College Age Movement's in-person gatherings meet Tuesday nights at 7, and we would love to have you there. If you are unable to join us in person, you can engage online at faithchapel.cc or follow us on our socials at collegeagemvmt.